0: It's a question I've been thinking about myself. It's just indications are that, you know, this is not going to let up anytime soon. We're talking about, at least from a public health standpoint, months. (laughs) We're just at the beginning of this pandemic. Welcome
1: to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hello, world. I hope everyone is adjusting to self-isolation okay. Did you give yourself a break this week to stop and ask, how do I feel? Did you take a pause in the middle of your work from home day to think about how you're feeling? Because the reality is it might be pretty complicated right now. There may be many layers to how you're feeling and you deserve giving yourself the time to sit with it and start to peel some of those layers back so that you could acknowledge them and move through them. No matter how you're feeling about things, I hope that you feel connected to people still, I hope you still feel supported in life, and I hope that you're putting in the effort to stay social, because social distancing does not mean emotional distancing. I ran a couple of mindfulness practice sessions last week through the All Day Fit Online Hub and the opportunity to get to talk with people about how they're coping and some of their anxieties and fears and discomforts that are arising during this situation was very mind-opening and I really appreciated how everyone was so open with sharing because everyone does deal with this situation a little bit differently. Everyone's coping mechanisms are a little bit different and no matter how you cope, As long as you feel like those coping mechanisms are healthy and they're not avoidance mechanisms, that's great. There's no one-size-fits-all formula for getting through a pandemic, that's for sure. In my mindfulness sessions this week, I asked one question that I really loved. The question was, what is one thing that makes you feel most fully yourself? What's one activity that makes you feel 100% you? I had everyone write it down in their journals this week and then really think about and reflect on how that thing can continue to fit into their life even though their life looks different right now in self-isolation. And I really encourage you to do the same. And you might have to get a little bit creative. But it is so important for your mental well being that you continue to incorporate whatever that activity is that makes you feel alive and energized and inspired into your life because that's one of the things that's gonna give you the energy to get through this whole thing. For me, there are a few activities that make me feel most alive and most fully myself. A huge one is moving my body. In self isolation, Movement isn't naturally built into my day like it normally is, so I sat down this week and made myself a really specific schedule of all the ways that I'm going to commit to moving my body this week. I wouldn't normally do this because normally I don't have to, normally that movement is way more naturally built in, but... In this situation, it's not. So I'm choosing to be deliberate about moving my body in different ways each day. And I'm not just talking about workouts. I'm also talking about walks and mobility and doing animal flow, which I love. So all of the ways in which I am going to commit to moving my body because that makes me feel my best self and trickles into all the other parts of my life. Guys, I am pumped to share this episode of the podcast this week. It is about COVID-19, but I think it's a bit different of an angle than likely all the information that you've been getting on COVID-19 so far. I had the chance to speak with Sonia Kittleson. Sonia has worked as a researcher studying the global politics of epidemic prevention, preparedness, and response for about 10 years. So she's been studying for exactly this situation for a very long time. She has a PhD in international politics and currently lives in Oslo, Norway, where she's a researcher at the Center for Development and the Environment at the University of Oslo. In this conversation, we had the chance to zoom out a little bit and think big picture about how COVID is affecting not only our personal lives, but the societies that we're living in, how the governments are responding or how we can expect them to respond, and then how it could affect our lives moving forward and in the future. And Sonia was so thoughtful and has so many great insights about all of those things. I don't want to give away too much more because obviously you will hear it best as it comes out of her mouth because she is the expert, but this was a very cool and informative and exciting episode for me, so I'm really excited to share it with you guys. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sonia. Hi, Sonia. Welcome to the How Do You Feel podcast. I'm so excited to have you on and get to talk to you today.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to chat with everyone. We're going to talk about COVID-19. Before we launch into those questions, could you just give us a little bit of an idea of your educational background and Mm -hmm. why you're able to speak to some of these things?
0: Sure. So I have a PhD in international politics, but I've been researching kind of the politics of health security or How we prevent, prepare for, and respond to epidemic events globally for about 10 years. So I kind of researched this area in a broad sense for quite some time, but I can't speak to it from like a epidemiological standpoint. I can speak to it more from like the the politics side of things.
1: Awesome. Makes total sense. Have we ever seen anything like COVID-19 before?
0: COVID-19 is a new virus that emerged, well, in China this year. So we haven't seen anything like it specifically, but we've seen new viruses emerge in the past. Um, we've seen epidemics and pandemics in the past as well. COVID-19 is a coronavirus, and we've seen other coronaviruses from the uh, you know that similar family in the past as well. So, for example, the severe acute respiratory syndrome. Epidemic in 2002 to 2003. That was a coronavirus. Um,
1: oh, I didn't
0: know that. Cool. Yeah, same, same family. They've played out quite differently, but they're from the same kind of family of viruses. The Middle East respiratory syndrome in 2012 was also um, from the, in the corona family. So we have seen similar types of novel viruses emerging that we haven't seen prior. Um, but particularly novel about this one and compared to those is how quickly it's spreading around the world.
1: Yeah, definitely. So infectious. What does it take for something to be classified as a, an epidemic or a pandemic? What does it take for it to cross that threshold?
0: The WHO would define a pandemic in terms of its geographic spread. So when they declare, that's the World Health Organization, <laughs> when right. they declare a, a pandemic, it's because it's reached a point where it's spreading consistently throughout the world.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. How did COVID-19 start?
0: So they're not entirely sure what the exact origins of it are. What they have been able to do is trace it back to the city of Wuhan in China. That's where they first identified it. They think it was likely tied to a market there, but exactly how it emerged and spread is still not quite clear so far as I know. Um, I think there are some theories that it might have jumped the species barrier from bats or maybe from other animals as well to get to a point where it could spread easily from human to human. Mm -hmm.
1: Interesting. Yeah, when we were talking before, you were mentioning that a lot of diseases actually come from bats specifically, which I didn't know before. Super interesting.
0: Yeah, animals and humans can share a lot of the same diseases and some don't affect humans and others do. So there's a lot of kind of species crossover there that can happen, yeah.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I'm very thankful that this one doesn't affect dogs, because that means that my dog can go out and play like normal, and she's not going to bring <laughs> me anything. I'm very thankful for that right now. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting how it plays out. No one really knows exactly how to feel about this right now. We're mm-hmm. all trying to figure out what's safe for us to do, right? Like when yeah. we can we go to the grocery store, or should we order in all of our food? Should we wear gloves every time we go to the grocery store? Can we go to the park? Like all these things, right? In Mm. your opinion, how worried should we be about this as people that are self-isolating, but on a daily Mm. basis, how worried should we be?
0: Yeah, I think it's okay to be a bit worried about this. I think it's natural to be worried about this. It's a virus that, you know, we're learning about as it progresses. It spreads quickly. It can, while most people will experience a mild version of it if they get infected, It can also be quite severe for some people. So I think it's natural to be a little bit concerned about it. It also has social and economic implications for a lot of people, people that are suddenly out of work and suddenly financially difficult situations where there's not an obvious endpoint. It's quite natural to be a bit worried about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That being said, I don't think we need to panic about it. There are things that we can do concretely to mitigate the effects of the, the virus, such as you know, social distancing measures, washing our hands, keeping you know, good hand hygiene, good coughing etiquette, doing everything that we've been told to do. So, so we can actually do things concretely to, to kind of minimize the effect that it'll have.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. It almost makes it worse that the symptoms are so mild because it's very infectious, but then if you get mm. it, for most people, they're not going to experience this very severe form of the illness. They might not even fully realize they have it. So it's kind of like this whole interesting aspect to this specific virus and why I feel like for a while people didn't take it very seriously. Like I think we are now, um, at least in Canada and the States. I know Norway is a little bit farther ahead of us as far as like the progression of the disease, but I think we are doing, taking it seriously now. But that's one of the things that makes it particularly challenging.
0: Certainly, yeah. If you don't kind of, it's something that you can't see or, or necessarily even know <laughs> that you're, that you're, you know, carrying it. So, so mm-hmm. it makes it a bit harder to tangibly wrap your head around, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. What does it mean to flatten the curve? This is like the buzz phrase yeah. that you're hearing from the media and everything right yeah. now. What does that mean? And why is it so important that we do?
0: Yeah, so this is um, this kind of curve is, a, is an epidemiological graph that shows the life cycle of a virus, I guess, where you can go mm-hmm. up and down, the, the peak being like the top of the curve. Uh, and the idea behind flattening the curve is to actually kind of minimize the impact, essentially, that the virus will have on the health system. So, So the idea is actually to kind of expand in time the spread of the virus such that We don't have a whole bunch of people getting really ill and needing to access health services at the same time. We can kind of bring that curve down so that people are getting ill over over a longer period of time and then the health services aren't overwhelmed. And, And we do that through these social distancing measures that have been implemented.
1: That makes sense. Because it's obviously a big concern that the healthcare systems don't get completely bogged down right now. And we get people the care that they need. Yeah. Does every virus follow like generally that same sort of trajectory, or at least every one that is a a pandemic?
0: I think it would depend on how quickly they spread in terms of what that curve would look like, mm-hmm. um, how rapidly they spread through a population and the impact that they have. This is a virus that spreads quite rapidly throughout the populations. So the fear there is that if we don't do anything, we'd have a lot of people in a very short period of time needing acute care and not being able to provide that care for them. So if we can bring that curve down and make it spread a bit slower, we can buy some time, we can ensure that the health system isn't overwhelmed we can kind of buy time to hopefully get a vaccine at some point or have something else that can that can help mitigate the effect of the virus yeah,
1: yeah. makes sense my next question for you was how can we ensure that everyone gets the healthcare that they need i think this is definitely mm. part of the answer is we can all do yeah. our part in flattening the curve so that the healthcare systems don't get completely overwhelmed Absolutely. are there other measures that governments or The healthcare systems of countries should be putting in place like things that they should be doing to make sure that everyone can get the care that
0: they need yeah i I think this is in part i guess dependent on the type of health system you have for sure in your country and and what's available but i think in general definitely these social distancing measures flattening the curve is the most obvious thing uh, to do at least in our context and then one of the concerns that a lot of the Kind of hospitals have is that they don't have enough equipment to deal with upsurges. So, the extent to which we can ensure that they get the equipment that they need, not kind of hoard face masks or gloves, uh, make sure that the healthcare workers actually have uh, the equipment that they need to do their jobs safely. Yeah. Um, increase testing to the extent that we can, the more testing we can do throughout the population to kind of trace who's infected and who isn't and how it it spreads helps to kind of get an understanding of what the bigger picture is. So those kind of things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of talk about testing. I'm American, but I'm living in Canada. So Mm -hmm. I've sort of kept up a little bit on what's going on in the States as well. And Mm -hmm. there's not very much testing and not enough testing going on in the States. That's one of the big problems. Could you just speak a little bit to why testing is so important in a bit more detail?
0: Yeah, well, one of the problems that we have now is precisely that that you can be carrying the virus without knowing it. And that kind of makes it hard to kind of understand exactly the numbers around the virus, how many people are dying in in relation to how many people are infected, Mm -hmm. how it's spreading and things like that, how we can contain it. If you're not carrying symptoms, but you can still spread the virus on, then that becomes much harder to control. And so if you're able to test everyone, (laughs) then you have a better picture of what's actually happening, particularly if, if there are a lot of people that might be carrying it, but don't obviously show that they're carrying it.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Symptom-free people that are carrying it. I mean, mm. man, that's like almost impossible to get a handle on, I feel like. It would be nice if we had tests for everyone, but I know that's not, yeah. uh, <laughs> not exactly feasible.
0: Yeah.
1: In your opinion, what should governments be doing right now to help people?
0: Well... <laughs> I think governments have an important role in managing this crisis and taking kind of decisive leadership, big taking action early on. This is what seems to be effective in, in other places. Clearly communicating risk regularly and honestly, mm-hmm. I think it's very important to allow people to understand what's happening as well. Obviously, there are very difficult choices that need to be made between you know, protecting the population and uh, you know, the flip side of that is with all these social distancing measures, is that the economy takes a huge hit, um, and a lot of people are in suddenly very precarious work situations and economic situations. And so, I think the government also has a responsibility there to try to help those people that are suddenly in this spot where they're stuck due to the measures that have to be put into place.
1: And there are like so many layers to that right like so many situations where people could be affected for some Absolutely. people it's just that schools are closed and now yeah. they have to be at home with their kids and they can't do the work that they need to be doing a yeah. lot of people are in jobs where they can't work from home my job normally would be being in the gym with clients training them and obviously gyms yeah. are all shut down right now so that can't happen so there are a lot of things that are happening to where i'm trying to take my services online But the income doesn't look the same, right? Like the amount that I can work isn't the same. So it looks very different for a lot of people, but I know a lot of people are very impacted by this. Um, And obviously overall, like the global economy has been hugely impacted as well, which has been a little bit scary, I think, for a lot of people. We're gonna take a short break from the episode because I have a very important announcement. If you are feeling unmotivated to stick to a workout schedule right now, or you're struggling to figure out what the heck to do at home to stay active, you are not alone, and I am here to help you. Introducing a new service, one-on-one online coaching. I want to become your personal trainer, even while we're all social distancing. Here's what you'll get from starting a program with me. You'll get a four-week personalized strength training program. You'll get ongoing accountability to help you stick to your goals and your program, which is really challenging right now when we're all sitting at home. You'll get full-body at-home strength workouts customized exactly for whatever space and equipment you have at home. I can also give you suggestions for a few things that you can buy to really maximize your program. Plus, you'll get access to All Day Fit's virtual online classes that we're running seven days a week through Zoom. It's so important to keep moving right now for both your physical and mental health. If you're ready to sign up to start working with me, you can visit alldayfit.com slash online hub. That's alldayfit.com slash online hub. and you'll find all the details for signing up there. I'll also link that website in the show notes. This online one-on-one personalized training is a service that All Day Fit has never offered before. So this is your chance to take advantage and start working with me right away. Okay, guys, let's get back to the episode. How can we make sure that small businesses don't go bankrupt? Because I feel like small businesses are particularly susceptible to this situation and they're particularly at risk?
0: I think there are kind of two things. I think there's things that the government can do. And I think there's things that we as kind of members of the community and consumers can do as well. From the government perspective, I think certainly if they're now mandating businesses to close, and as I said, I think they have a responsibility to help them get through this period, either through some kind of financial package a kind of emergency package that a lot of governments are trying to put into place now that can help take a little bit of the pressure off, you know, kind of maybe revisiting employment insurance uh, schemes to ensure that people that are suddenly uh, out of work due to the situation are covered in some capacity. So I think that's very important from kind of a government perspective. I think as consumers and as community members, we can also support our local businesses as much as we can through this prices Mm. Uh, a lot of shops are still open or at least have online services so i think you know if you're buying something being conscious about trying to find your local uh, shop that sells the book you want Mm -hmm. (laughs) and supporting them right now because they're quite vulnerable things like not canceling your membership for you know your local training center where you like to go because you know they're dependent on these this income to keep going so if you're in a position to not do that choosing not to do that Mm -hmm. Um, similarly with kind of cultural events I I bought a festival ticket for a festival in June which is probably not going to happen now (laughs) and we were asked if we would consider not asking for refunds and I'm happy not to ask for a refund I would rather just eat Mm -hmm. that cost knowing that at least next year we'd have a chance of having a similar thing again so I think being a bit more conscious about that as consumers and recognizing thinking about what you want in your society and your community when you can go outside and enjoy things again what's important and making sure that you support uh, those businesses I've seen also on Facebook here at least a lot of campaigns to kind of raise money for people's favorite businesses or favorite Mm -hmm. shops or favorite places to hang out Uh, and so I think there's a lot we can do as a community as well to help that as much as we can yeah
1: yeah, I think those are all such good thoughts. And it's so important to think about it. It's not just supporting them right now. I love how you explain this. It's not just about supporting them right now. It's about ensuring that they're able to still be in business next year when you walk down the street and you want that little cafe to be there that you love yeah. so much, right? So we're thinking a little yeah. bit bigger picture here and in, in being conscious about how we can give those places our support. I think that's Absolutely. really important. When you're talking about governments providing people yeah. with financial aid and financial packages, oh. where does all that money come from?
0: <laughs> well, I think they're going <laughs> to It's like do. a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and that's the other thing, right? It's it's going to be it's going to be rough. <laughs> and they won't I mean there's there will be businesses that won't last. That's mm-hmm. the reality of it. I, I think particularly if this continues for a long period of time and there's also a question of how long this can continue or, or or what kind of other kind of situations might we come up with that can help alleviate both the economic side of it, but also ensure that the public is still safe. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think they, <laughs> they will just have to dig into their coffers and run into some deficit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
1: What are some of those other situations that you're talking about that could potentially, we could potentially like look towards if this lasts a really, really long time.
0: Yeah. I, don't actually know. I've just been, it's a question I've been thinking about myself. It's just indications are that, you know, this is not going to let up anytime soon. We're talking about, at least from a public health standpoint, months. <laughs> we're just at the beginning of this pandemic. That's crazy. Um,
1: so we really, so yeah. you believe that we really are still like just at the beginning of this.
0: Yeah, I think crazy. we're, you know, we haven't reached the end of it yet. And so yeah, it's just a question I don't have the answer to, but it's a Mm -hmm. question I've been mulling around in my mind. Like, how do you strike the balance? Like, how long can you keep things closed? Or are there other ways of being able to support at least some things being open in different formats? I have no Mm -hmm. idea. (laughs) I don't really know. It's just kind of, it's a a question of how, how we deal with this going forward, particularly if it's going to be a really long time <laughs> for of, sure uh, of this playing
1: it yeah yeah all interesting things to think about and i think if there's one thing this virus it's is doing it's causing people to question the status quo question mm. how their society functions um mm. think about like for me think about how my job runs and what i can do online you know it's causing me to like expand what I thought the scope of my job was and I think that the same is happening for a lot of businesses they're thinking about how things can become virtual and they're starting to get creative because they have to which I hope and think that when we look back on this and we realize that effect that we're thankful for how much growth that that will then cause like a year or two from now of course it's hard to see when we're in sort of the depths of what's going on
0: yeah I guess that's a kind of good thing about it it kind of it's an opportunity to really be creative and you know think in different ways mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see what what comes out of that in the end
1: yeah 100% what was it i saw something on social media that said that isaac newton it was during a pandemic that he had the time to discover like the concept of gravity that there <laughs> a lot of very like big theories have come yeah. in the past from these times when things are shut down because it forces you to stop and think right and just be with yourself so we'll see we'll see who comes up with the next theory in physics i don't know (laughs) (laughs) what makes some governments more equipped to handle what's going on than others
0: that's a big question (laughs) i think um i think on the one hand how you deal with this crisis is context specific on some level, it really depends on how things are set up, where you are and yeah.
1: There are so many variables.
0: Yeah, there's many yeah. different variables, but I think in a, in a very broad and general sense, I think things that are important are having a, a strong health system that has the kind of capacities in place to be able to detect and respond to um, epidemics, such as kind of surveillance capacities, diagnostic capacities, um, facilities to treat people you have a system where people can access that health care quite easily I think is also very important uh, I think in general obviously if you're it becomes much more challenging to handle these kind of events in places where there's conflict or other crises going on mm-hmm. um, so those are kind of some very broad things um I think strong health system I would say is is very important. And then Um, people
1: that can actually access that health system and uh, having huge portions of the population that can't even benefit from that health system, I think is a good point.
0: Absolutely. And a health system that's accessible for everyone. And then beyond that, in terms of thinking about what we can learn from what's happening now, is I think we can look at the countries that have already experienced it or have started to, and start to kind of draw lessons from there. Um, And so I think what seems to be important is taking drastic measures early on, testing as much as possible, putting in these kind of social distancing practices as early as possible. Yeah, and a lot of that as well has to do with the resources and capacities at your disposal.
1: Why are governments (laughs) afraid to take drastic measures early on? Or I feel like a lot of people, they didn't believe it until they had to believe it. You know what I mean? Like they really resisted. Is it just because they're afraid to take a measure that they don't actually have to take?
0: I think these measures have huge economic consequences. And so it's a big deal to, mm-hmm. to put them in place. You're taking a huge hit by doing so. And so I think there's perhaps a reluctance to do that on that front. I would consider that probably one of the major reasons governments yeah. are a bit reluctant to do anything. Perhaps not realizing the severity of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think there's an element, too, of it being so unprecedented that yeah. it takes some time for everyone to wrap their mind around the concept of social distancing and what does this yeah. actually look for my le- like for my life and yeah. that this is their new reality, right? So it's yeah. not necessarily just something that people like scoop up yeah. and do with enthusiasm.
0: I mean, I think that becomes a challenge, too, when you have populations that don't really listen to <laughs> what the government has to say. I'm like, yeah, whatever, we'll yeah. just go to the park. And then you're like, ah, actually, no, now you can't go outside at all. <laughs> yeah, so I think for sure. It's also important to follow these kind of measures that have been put in place as members of the public as well
1: definitely is uh, I know Trudeau has been a little bit fed up with people that have been um, not necessarily listening to the social distancing measures um, mm-hmm. that he's asking of them, but is the government in Norway doing anything specific to enforce these policies or is it just sort of like yeah, asking people um, to uphold?
0: <laughs> so in general, people have been listening to the social distancing but uh, a funny thing in Norway is that a lot of people have cottages in the mountains and the seaside that they love to go to, and the government had told them not to go there because you're potentially taking the virus to a small community where there's even less capacity to deal with um, a major outbreak if it were to occur in that community. But people were going anyway, <laughs> so now the government has made it like forbidden to go to your cottage. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah, there was someone actually who was fined. Because he'd come back from a country so so right now in Norway as well, the borders are pretty much closed, but if you are coming back from another country, you have to go into quarantine for mm. fourteen days, no matter what country you're coming from. Guy and is that like come-
1: a is that like a quarantine that the government has you in a specific place or is it just no, like a quarantine? Self quarantine. Yeah, yeah.
0: Self <laughs> okay. quarantine. But there, this guy had come back and broke the quarantine to go to a party and ended up actually having the virus and getting other people ill. And they managed to trace the fact he got a huge fine. Actually. Oh, no.
1: So he's sick and he has for, a fine.
0: Yeah, wow. For, for breaking quarantines. They're taking it quite seriously. For the most part, people are, are listening. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it hasn't been a huge problem here as it has been in some other countries where people haven't really been listening to the social distancing.
1: My (laughs) husband and I have been hunkered down in our house for the last, well, he's been actually a little bit longer um, because his work Mm. mandated that he self-quarantine a bit earlier. So it's been like two weeks now. And it's weird because we go out like once a week to go to the grocery store. And when we're out, we're always kind of like, why are there so many people around and on the streets and in places? Like we're very confused because yeah. we feel like we're completely, you know, isolated, but it doesn't feel like everyone else is fully that. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's just the impression, right, of seeing people out on the street, but.
0: Yeah, but the flip side of that is, like, because here as well, they recently, they had some bars were still open. You were allowed to stay open if you could ensure that people sat, you know, far apart. It was weird, but in the end, People weren't doing it, so they just shut them all down now. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that that's the problem: is that if you're not listening to it, then the the measures are just going to get harsher. So it's kind of in in your own interest to just practice the kind of social distancing measures that are in place now. Like here, we can mm-hmm. still go outside, we can go for a run, we can go to the grocery store. We just have to keep distance from people, and mm-hmm. if we're ill, not go. Out. Mm-hmm. So so long as you can do that, you still have some freedom. But you have other countries now where In order to go outside, you need to, you know, you can only go to the grocery store or you can only do, I think in the UK now, you can only do like one form of exercise a day outside. Really? Really restricted movement. And that hasn't happened yet here. But I really hope
1: it doesn't. Yeah, me too. (laughs) my
0: walk, (laughs) insane. Yeah, for sure.
1: I'm curious about in your personal life, what kinds of things are you doing to sort of keep yourself sane right now?
0: Yeah, so I uh, live alone in a like a one room (laughs) apartment. (laughs) So I definitely feel the closed quarters. I work from home every day. And my office team, we have agreed to meet every day at nine o'clock just to catch up and Mm -hmm. connect before the day starts. And so I've tried to kind of just set routines in place, try to get out regularly. I find little things like if I go for a walk before the nine AM meeting. And then go for a walk after my workday ends. And I feel like I've gone to the office and left the office, even though it's all in my apartment. Yeah. And that, (laughs) that, (laughs) it's a small thing, but it helps a lot. Going outside just for walks or runs regularly helps. Just trying to catch up with friends on Zoom or (laughs) other online forums.
1: Yeah, virtual Um, hangouts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's important. So those kind of things. Some days are easier than others. Other times I'm just like, oh, this is tough. How many weeks are you into this? We're two weeks in now. Two weeks, okay. We just received the message that these measures will continue to be in place until after Easter, and then they will reevaluate. But I suspect it will keep going.
1: When you were studying in school, did you think that you would live through this in your lifetime? Did you expect that there would be a pandemic that you would actually see pan out?
0: Yeah, in a way, <laughs> yes. I, I didn't think I would experience it in in this way that I have now, but the idea that we would have a pandemic in future has been one that's been recognized for a long time, um, I think. And this won't be the last new or novel virus that emerges. We've now seen, due to processes of globalization and how we live with you know, our relationship to land and animals and and all the rest that viruses now are, are emerging more frequently than they were before. And they just can spread faster because we can move around much faster.
1: And we're in such densely populated cities many of times, yeah, right? In such living th-
0: closer, yeah. like closer to animals encroaching upon their, their territories as well. Mm-hmm. And so all of these factors play together. And so for a long, like a lot of people have really, um, there's been a lot of kind of focus on uh, the next pandemic being an influenza pandemic, in fact, and we've had, you know, I don't know if you remember in well, in two thousand nine, we had the H one N one influenza pandemic. We've had the bird, the avian influenza, oh, yeah. where there was a lot of fear that that would hop over species barrier to become easily transmissible from human to human, and so so we've had like kind of small dots along the along the on the way in these past couple of years, mm-hmm. SARS, MERS. Uh, the Ebola epidemic in West Africa. So they're happening with more and more frequency. And that's kind of the world we're in now. I didn't know it would be this one in particular, but (laughs) but the idea that it's happened... Was sort of of, inevitable. On some level, yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, Sonia, I have one question that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. And this question might be a bit different to answer right now, but... I love to ask people, what makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know right now it's like a little weird because normal, like your normal answer might be different than what your life looks like right now.
0: Yeah, I guess particularly in this context, what I find really heartening is just the way people are coming together. Like I, I really value how it's nice to see members of the community Rallying together and supporting each other. My colleagues and I, how we support each other. My friends and I, how we're connecting in different ways. But even just strangers helping each other out. The kind of support that's going into helping things keep running. I think that's probably a kind of heartening thing right now. Because there's a lot of news that's a little bit discouraging. (laughs)
1: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I fully agree. It's very cool to see how people are continuing to try to connect. And be there for each other even though we have to do it virtually, I think that we're social beings and that doesn't go away just because we can't physically be in the same place as someone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. This has been extremely informative. Very interesting. If people are interested in learning more about pandemics, is there a specific place that you would direct them towards? Are there any resources that you feel like are really good?
0: Mm. Well, I think if you like, If you want to kind of get the latest updates and facts about what's happening, the World Health Organization updates its website frequently. So that's just a good place for facts. Um,
1: And I think it's so important that people get their information right now from reputable sources, because things can circulate on social media that aren't necessarily truth or fact, and they can cause fear and anxiety where maybe it shouldn't be. So I think that that's a great one.
0: And otherwise, I would just say in general, along those lines, your, your public health agencies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you so
1: much. This has been great. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of How Do You Feel. Remember, we release a new episode every Monday morning. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and CastBox. If you're liking what you're hearing, please rate and review the show. Every review really does go a long way. I appreciate every single one of them so, so much. If you're liking what you're hearing on the show, please share it with a family member or friends that you think could benefit from listening to the things that we talk about on How Do You Feel? All right, guys, that's all I have for you this week. Make sure you get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.